you know where she is right now? I don't know where she's at. Do you know what happened to her? I have no idea. She left our place shortly after her dad knocked. Um, I didn't physically see her leave our place, but I mean, she wasn't there when I come out the shower. On August 19th, 2017, 22-year-old Savannah Greywind went missing from her apartment complex in Fargo, North Dakota. She was eight months pregnant at the time. What transpired from there is a true horror story. Listener discretion is advised. This is Disturbed. In August of 2017, Savannah Greywind was a 22-year-old woman living in Fargo, North Dakota, in an apartment complex with her family. She had earned her CNA certificate from Lake Region State College in Devil's Lake and had a job as a CNA at a senior community in Fargo. Savannah had a boyfriend named Ashton, and they had been together for around seven years already. At this point, she was eight months pregnant with Ashton's baby, and the two had a good-looking future, and life was moving in a very positive direction for both of them. They had a baby on the way. They had just signed a lease to move into a new apartment together in September of that year. Savannah had a lot of family surrounding her in the area, and she was in a really good relationship and was looking forward to this next chapter in her life. For the time being, Savannah lived in an apartment with her mom, Norberta, and also her father, Joe, and two other siblings. Saturday, August 19th had seemed pretty much like a normal day, and Savannah had just ordered a pizza, which she had just started eating when there was a knock at the door. Savannah answered the door, and the lady standing there was the upstairs neighbor. And this neighbor had sort of an odd request. She asked Savannah if she could come upstairs to her apartment and help her with a sewing project. It seems she wanted her to model this dress so that it could be pinned and then sewed, and she offered $20 for the trouble. Savannah agreed and headed upstairs with the neighbor. Now, around this time, Savannah also texted her mom, Norberta, letting her know, like, hey, I'm going to head upstairs and help this lady with a sewing project. I shouldn't be too long. Around 2.30 p.m., about an hour later, Savannah wasn't back home yet, so her mother, Norberta, told her son to go upstairs and get Savannah. Her brother was actually supposed to be getting a ride to work from Savannah, so he was kind of waiting around the apartment, you know, waiting for her to finish up with this project so that he could get a ride to work from her. So he goes upstairs and knocks on the apartment door, and he waits. But there's no answer. He does, however, hear what he thinks is a sewing machine running in the apartment. So he goes back downstairs and tells his parents, Hey, nobody answered upstairs. I'm not sure what's going on. Naturally, Savannah's parents found this pretty odd, so her dad, Joe, actually went upstairs right after this, and he wanted to find out what's going on. 
When he knocked, a woman answered the door, the same woman who asked Savannah upstairs. The woman said, Oh, you know, it's going to be a little bit longer. We're not quite done yet. Now, from everything I read and saw in articles online, it seems like her dad, Joe, actually asked if he could come inside and check on Savannah at this time. But the woman refused, saying she wasn't comfortable with him coming into her apartment. It was also around this time that Norberta ended up driving her son to work herself. Around 4.30 p.m. after Norberta had returned home, she realized that Savannah still was not back yet. Now at this point, it's been roughly three hours since Savannah went upstairs to help with this sewing project. Norberta now knows something is not right with this situation, and she herself goes upstairs and knocks on the door. This time, the woman answers the door and Now she tells Norberta that, yes, Savannah was there, but she already left. At this point, Norberta knows something is definitely wrong, and this is sending up red flags all over the place for her. She knows that Savannah clearly isn't back home yet. She knows that she's eight months pregnant, and her car is still sitting in the parking lot. There's no way she would just up and leave or go walk somewhere. Savannah had swollen feet from being pregnant. She also had this pizza that she had just ordered and just started eating, sitting and waiting in the kitchen for her. Her wallet was still at home. Like, none of this makes any sense. It's all seeming very wrong to Norberta. She also knows that Savannah is, by her very nature, a very cautious type of person. And it's very out of character for Savannah to go anywhere really by herself especially in her current condition, being eight months pregnant. Savannah also had no history of mental illness, and she had never run away. At this point, no one can get a hold of Savannah, and she has stopped responding to any messages. Savannah had been texting throughout the day with her boyfriend Ashton, and it was right around the time that Savannah went upstairs that she stopped responding to him or anyone. This is when Norberta calls the police. When police arrive, they go to the upstairs apartment, and this time a man and a woman answer the door together. They agree to allow police in to conduct a search, but it's more of like a walkthrough, just sort of checking the place out. They don't actually have a search warrant, so it's kind of a just looking for anything odd or out of place. And they find nothing. Now, Savannah's family tries bringing attention to the urgency of the situation by putting up all sorts of signs and going around. They're on the local news. They're pleading for anyone to come forward if they know anything about where Savannah might be. They also get very active on social media as well. They're sharing anything and everything they can to try to get the word out about Savannah. Police end up going back to the upstairs apartment and searching two more times on separate occasions. But again, both times, they come up with nothing. So police start checking out the surrounding areas. They're asking around, they're talking with friends and co-workers, but no one has anything to offer up as to where Savannah might be. By Wednesday, August 23rd, now this is 
four days after Savannah was last seen or heard from, there's still no sign of her and her friends and family hold a prayer event at Sanford Medical Center in downtown Fargo. They end up calling on the Fargo police to request FBI assistance to come in and assist with the case. Like, nothing is moving forward. You guys aren't finding out anything. What can this hurt? It's also announced at this time that there is a $7,000 reward in the case. Savannah's family initially was very frustrated with law enforcement. They thought they were not doing everything they could and that they weren't initially taking the case seriously. Around 10 a.m. on August 24th, Thursday, the following day, police execute a fourth search on the upstairs apartment where Savannah was last known to be. This time, they have a search warrant, and they turn up something shocking. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Listen to this. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Police searching the upstairs apartment find a healthy, newborn baby in the possession of the woman who lives there. This is where we learn the couple living in the apartment are 38-year-old Brooke Lynn Cruz and 32-year-old William Hone. They both get detained by police for questioning and then later actually arrested on suspicion to commit kidnapping. Here's William Hone in his initial interview with police. Okay, so you get in the upstairs. Um, I seen uh, Brooke, and she introduced me to that Savannah girl. Mm-hmm. And she just said, hi, honey, bedroom, this is Savannah. Hey. I went to the bedroom, started to, like, undress for my day. I wanted my shit, empty out my pockets. Fired up my computer. Now, at this point in the community, rumors are flying as to what actually happened. But everyone is just completely baffled as to what has unfolded here. No one in the community has seen really anything like this before. During questioning, Brooke and William end up essentially admitting that the baby belongs to Savannah. But when they're asked where Savannah is and what happened, it's a giant roadblock. They won't go into any further detail other than admitting that the baby is in fact Savannah's. They will not say where Savannah is or what actually happened to her. 
In a writing on their Facebook page, the Fargo Police Department put out the following, quote, Over the last several days, we have devoted all of our investigative resources to complete and numerous investigative tasks associated with a missing persons case. Brooke Cruz was home during the execution of the search warrant. A newborn infant was also present in the apartment. The infant was alive and immediately taken to a medical facility. Our investigation thus far indicates the probability that this is Savannah Graywin's child, end quote. So at this point, Savannah has been missing for five days. Police execute this search warrant on the upstairs apartment where Savannah last was. They find this baby in the possession of the two living there. They're both detained. They both admit the baby belongs to Savannah. We're five days out from Savannah's disappearance. Her baby is found alive, healthy, premature, but healthy. We still don't know where Savannah is. Until Sunday, August 27th, so eight days after Savannah has gone missing, came the news everyone had feared the most. Around 5.45 p.m., two kayakers in the Red River discovered a body wrapped in plastic and hung up on a log about six miles north of Fargo. Not too long after the body was discovered, it was identified as Savannah Greywind. Her family was completely devastated by the news. Uh, good evening, everybody. I'm Chief Dave Todd with the Fargo Police Department, and this is Sheriff Bill Burquist with the Clay County Sheriff's Department. At about uh, 5.44 this evening, kayakers in the river discovered uh, what appeared to be a life or a, a body-sized object uh, wrapped in plastic in the river hung up on a log. Uh, the kayakers notified law enforcement uh, and also coincidentally at the same time a search party was searching a farmstead right down this road by the bridge. Uh, there are some suspicious uh, items in that farmstead that lead us to believe that that may be a crime scene. Uh, the body was pulled out of the river by law enforcement at about 8.20 this evening and at about 9.20 that body was identified as Savannah Greywind. Um, Savannah Greywind will be uh, brought, I believe, to the Ramsey, Ramsey County um, Examiner. And uh, the family has been notified. We will do a press conference later on tonight and we'll put out a notification to the media about that press conference. And that's all I have for you right now. Naturally, all eyes shifted back to the two individuals living upstairs where Savannah was last seen, Brooke Cruz and William Hone. Police have the two in custody and after Savannah's body is discovered, they finally get a story out of Brooke and William. Brooke's story goes as follows. Brooke says she arranged to have Savannah model this dress, and while she was there, she taught Savannah to self-induce birth and break her own water, and then said Savannah left and came back two days later and gave her her newborn baby. 
William's story goes as follows. William says he came home on August 19th to find Brooke wiping up blood in their bathroom. He admitted to helping Brooke clean up and put garbage bags full of towels in his truck and got rid of them, along with shoes that had blood on them as well. He said Brooke presented him a newborn baby and said, this is our family, this is ours. So again, they've admitted they had Savannah's baby, Savannah's body is found, and they're starting to get these stories out of Brooke and William now. Police also learned that Brooke and William had been doing internet searches for all sorts of things related to travel deals and packages and hotels out of state. So they know in the back of their minds that these two are planning to flee. So they hold both of them on a $2 million cash bail. In the meantime, the Grey Winds had to bury their daughter. Funeral service was held on Thursday, September 7th, to which hundreds of people showed up in attendance. Some sources say the number was actually over a thousand people in attendance. The community was in complete shock that such a horrific crime could be committed in this area. They had never seen anything like this before. People could just not wrap their heads around how someone could do something so terrible. Additionally, details on the crime had not really come out to this point, so as you can imagine, rumors are just flying around the town. How did Savannah die? What actually happened? How did the baby come out of it alive and healthy? It is, however, fairly obvious at this point that Brooke and William had conspired to lure Savannah upstairs in an effort to steal the child she was carrying. And somehow, they actually managed to do just that. And even if this was their plan, this is something that would be insanely difficult to pull off. There's no guarantee that the child would even survive, especially when you're dealing with non-medical professionals and such a crude procedure. It is a miracle that the baby actually survived this. Savannah's surviving baby was named Hazley Joe, and until DNA could be confirmed, Hazley Joe had to spend time in foster care. Eventually, DNA was confirmed and full custody was granted to Savannah's boyfriend, Ashton. On December 11, 2017, Brooke Cruz pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit murder and conspiracy to commit kidnapping, as well as providing false information to police. During William Hone's trial, Brooke Cruz testified that in early 2017, she lied to Hone about being pregnant because she thought he wanted her to have a baby. She told the court that during an argument in August, William Hone admitted he knew she wasn't pregnant, but because he had previously told other people that they were expecting a baby, he demanded that she produce a baby. Brooke says that because of this, it led her to believe that she better have a baby no matter how it happened. William Holm allegedly mentioned to Brooke that the Grey Wind girl is really pregnant. Brooke testifies that she thought that meant he wanted her to take Grey Wind's baby. 
Now, the upcoming details of what actually happened here are very disturbing, so listener discretion is advised. When she took the stand, Brooke Cruz described how she set out to steal Savannah's unborn baby in an effort to salvage her relationship with William Hone, and how the two of them hid Savannah's body and the newborn from police. Brooke Cruz testifies that she asked Savannah up to her apartment under the pretense of her helping with a sewing project. She ended up pushing Savannah, and Savannah hit her head on the bathroom sink and was struck unconscious. However, medical examiner Dr. Victor Froloff testified that Savannah showed no signs of a head injury. However that part may have happened, Brooke Cruz continued that with Savannah laying unconscious on the floor, Brooke grabbed a small razor blade like a carpenter's knife or a box cutter from the kitchen when she sliced open Savannah's abdomen, taking the baby out of her womb as Savannah drifted in and out of consciousness. Savannah was still alive at this point. Brooke Cruz continues that when William came home and saw Cruz on the floor with Savannah, he allegedly asked if she was dead, to which Brooke Cruz replies, I don't know, please help me. After retrieving a rope from another room, William Hone put it around Savannah's neck and said, quote, if she wasn't dead before, she is now. This is according to Brooke Cruz's testimony. Medical examiner Dr. Froloff told the court that he was not able to determine whether Savannah died of blood loss or strangulation from the rope that was tied around her neck. He did determine the cause of death to be homicidal trauma. Police have said that they knocked on Cruz's door around 5 p.m. on August 19th, and they searched the apartment that afternoon and then again on August 20th. Brooke Cruz testified that Savannah's body was in the bathroom closet of her apartment during both of those searches. The baby Hazley Joe was hidden under blankets next to William Hone when police searched the apartment on August 19th. Then on August 20th, William Hone hollowed out his dresser and put Savannah's body inside. Wrapped in towels and plastic, she was hidden inside the dresser when police searched the apartment on August 20th. This goes back to the family being frustrated with police initially during searches because they knew they couldn't do in-depth searches for not having a search warrant. So they were not able to look behind doors or in cabinets or anything like that. They ended up missing Savannah's body twice during initial searches. She was in the apartment. Brooke Cruz said then in the early morning hours of August 21st, she and William carried the dresser down the stairs and loaded it into their Jeep Cherokee where William then took it and disposed of Savannah's body in the Red River. Now, an inmate who served time with Brooke Cruz testified that William Hone was not involved in the actual murder of Savannah. Jennifer Robinson told jurors on the eighth day of his murder trial that William played no part in killing Savannah. She testified that 
Brooke Cruz confided in her during their time in prison together, confessing that she alone, quote, choked Savannah with a rope, drug her into the bathroom, and performed a C-section on her, end quote. However, Brian Grob is an inmate who did time with William Hone at Cass County Jail. Grob testifies that William Hone told him he cleaned up blood and wrapped up Savannah's body in trash bags. He said William told him that he put the body in a hollowed-out dresser and that he took the dresser out of the apartment building on August 20th. Grob testified that Holm told him he was not involved with the murder and was not guilty of any conspiracy. He said that Savannah was dead when he walked into his apartment. Dr. Victor Froloff told jurors that there was a sharp force injury to Savannah's abdomen where an out-of-hospital C-section was done. Froloff said there were no signs that Savannah was given any anesthesia or that there were any significant efforts made to stop blood loss. He also testified that the ligature rope found around Savannah's neck was consistent with strangulation. On February 2nd, 2018, Brooke Lynn Cruz was sentenced to life in prison without parole. North Dakota does not have the death penalty, so that was not on the table. Brooke admitted to luring Savannah into her apartment and then performing the C-section on her. I can't undo what I've done, but I can do everything in my power to own up to what I did, Brooke Cruz said while on the stand. William Hone pleaded guilty to kidnapping and providing false information to police, but he was found not guilty on conspiracy to commit murder. He was, however, still sentenced to life in prison without the possibility for parole. However, William Hone appealed this sentencing and his sentence was overturned and he was resentenced to 20 years in prison. It later came out that police had obtained a search warrant for Brooke and William's apartment after surveillance video from a local Walmart surfaced showing William Hone purchasing diapers. A second-floor neighbor in the same apartment building told police they heard a sustained noise upstairs that very afternoon that Savannah went missing. The neighbor said, quote, We were getting ready to leave, and we heard a banging in the bathtub for about 15 or 20 minutes, around 1.30 or 2 p.m. They said after they heard the shower turn on, which they thought was kind of odd. The neighbors also said that William and Brooke fought all the time, so hearing noises upstairs from them was not that uncommon. Savannah's mother, Norberta, told the Forum News Service in September that the family had a bad feeling about Brooke Cruz when Brooke Cruz knocked on their door and asked Savannah to come upstairs and smoke pot two weeks prior to Savannah's disappearance. That time, Savannah declined Brooke Cruz's requests. Unfortunately, two weeks later, when Brooke Cruz again knocked on the door and offered $20 for Savannah to help with the sewing project, Savannah this time accepted. At 
the time of this recording, we're about two and a half years out from Savannah's murder, and in the community, the tragedy is still very fresh. Many people in the community can't help but think about Savannah any time they cross the bridge where it's believed that her body was dumped into the Red River. A white cross with Savannah's name is nailed to a tree near the bridge. Savannah's family maintains a public Facebook group in honor of Savannah. More than 13,000 people follow the digital scrapbook for updates on Hazley Joe. These updates are anything from Hazley Joe helping out her grandpa mow the lawn to visiting her mom's former co-workers. In a recent interview with British newspaper The Daily Mail, Savannah's mother Norberta said of Hazley Joe, quote, she keeps us going. The family will be celebrating Hazley Joe's third birthday on August 21st of this year. In the wake of Savannah's tragedy, Senator Heidi Heitkamp proposed Savannah's Act. This is a bipartisan bill that seeks to address the gaps in data collection and law enforcement related to missing and murdered indigenous women. The bill was unanimously approved by the House Judiciary Committee on Wednesday, March 11, 2020. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, who is a member of the Judiciary Committee and a co-sponsor of Savannah's Act, said that this act will help bring justice to victims and help prevent future crimes. You can find more information and photos about Savannah on our website at disturbedpodcast.com. What happened to Savannah was tragic, but Savannah the person needs to be remembered as much more than that. Savannah was a beautiful person. She was kind and extremely caring. She would go out of her way to help others, and she needs to be remembered in that way. In episode 3, I have a conversation with Nikia Hill, Savannah's best friend and co-worker, and we talk all about who Savannah was as a person and how she's being remembered, so make sure to tune in to episode 3. You've been listening to Disturbed. You can find all of our episodes online at disturbedpodcast.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most major podcast players. If you have a disturbing story you'd like to share, fill out the Contact Us form on our website. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned in just a moment to hear about the exclusive Disturbed Fan Club and how you can support the show. Do you need even more Disturbed? I got you covered. Join the fan club. As a pro listener, you'll enjoy an ad-free listening experience, early access to new episodes, and a special podcast shout-out. And if that's not enough, bump it up to an elite listener and unlock a bonus episode every month as well as exclusive access to live streaming guest interviews. By joining the fan club, you'll be supporting the podcast as well as getting some awesome perks and benefits. It's a win-win. Join today at disturbedpodcast.com slash fan club.